Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Summit family. You guys came out in numbers today. Listen, the sun's out and God is good. Amen. Amen. It's a beautiful morning here in Indiana. I know Pastor Mel already welcomed you and welcomed our guest, uh, but welcome. Thank you uh, for spending time this weekend with us. Thank you guys so much. It feels good to be here with you. Um, He mentioned this before, but I am the campus pastor in Blairsville, so I want to give a shout out to all my family in Blairsville. Can we give it up for Blairsville? Yeah. Listen, you may not see it on Sunday mornings, but I do all the time when you guys cheer on our Blairsville family. We are one family. We are one church. Man, they go wild down there, so it is so good to see them. Pastor Katie and Pastor Kim are down there as well this morning, so thank you guys so much for allowing me to be here today. Welcome to our online audience. Thank you for joining us today. We have a very special treat this morning um, as we get to commission our Greece team, and I know somebody with an Australian accent did that last week, and I've been working on my Australian accent, but I, it wasn't good enough for the cut. So I'm, I'm going to pray for them. Um, church family, we're going to commission them actually right now. So um, those that are on the team, if you guys want to just come forward here to the altar. Church family, would you stand with me in the house? Uh, Pastor Kim is also there in Blairsville. Uh, would you all stand in Blairsville as well? Um, just as an action affirming what God is doing in them and as a sign of unity together. As we pray, would you just uh, reach out your hand in agreement, um, just asking the Lord to be with them in agreement as we pray. Would you do that both here and in Blairsville as we pray? I think we've almost got everybody up here. Pretty good team here. Oh my goodness. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for what you've done in these individuals that are on this team. Lord, thank you for what you were doing both here in Indiana County and all the way across the world in Thessaloniki, Greece. Lord, thank you for the pouring out of your presence, your spirit, Lord, that enables us, empowers us to be a witness to what you've done. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus and according to his blood that you would empower this team. Lord, we commission them, we send them, Lord, with your blessing to those that are lost in that community in Thessaloniki. Lord, I pray that your presence would be felt. I pray for divine appointments. Lord, I pray as they minister to and as they have conversations and pray with students in that area, young people in that area, Lord, that your power would be revealed, your hand at work, and your great love would be shown to all of those around. Lord, I pray that you would cover their travel. Lord, that you would take care of their safety. Lord, that they would be delivered there safely and return to us safely with a great testimony of your goodness and the outcome pouring of your presence there with our ministry partners. In Jesus' name, and everyone in the house and in Blairsville said, amen. 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 Thank you for doing that. God bless you guys. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Love you guys. What a phenomenal team that is heading to Thessaloniki, Greece to join our partners there um, at Zoe Church. What a cool opportunity. Um, Thessaloniki is full of of college-age students, and uh, there's a very small portion of that community that are evangelical believers. And so what an opportunity to reach the lost and have conversations. You saw that this team is a bunch of young adults with a plan to reach young adults. So praise God for that. Thank you so much for your generosity in uh, helping them raise funds and for sending them for the next uh, two weeks. Please be praying for them as they are traveling. They leave tomorrow. 
Well, it's my honor today to bring the word. We are continuing our Romans series. And so if you have a Bible with you, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. Uh, we're gonna be looking through that today. If you have it on your phone, that's quite all right, but you get extra points for having an actual Bible with you, something in paper. So we'll give you a gold star on the way out today. Before we get into that, first, I wanna tell you a quick story about Blairsville. Can I do that? Because God is doing some pretty amazing things in Blairsville. And usually we just have a brief moment every once in a while to share that. But since I'm here today, I want to give a shout out to what God is doing in Blairsville. We are in such a, a cool season as we are starting to see, and we have seen consistently, um, lives being made different in all different ways of measurement. See, uh, when we opened in Easter, on Easter of uh, 2021, we saw so many people come in and for weeks we had people come back to church for the first time in a long time, even after COVID or some people even before COVID that had been separated from any kind of fellowship with a church body. And we've been having conversations. I regularly have conversations with people that say, listen, I've been waiting. I'm in Blairsville. I'm from Blairsville. I've been waiting for a place where I feel welcome and at home, some with some church history and some church hurt, many without any church history, completely unchurched, saying, listen, I just feel at home and I feel safe here and I feel loved. Listen, that's the kind of atmosphere that when the fellowship of believers come together, that's what it should feel like. I believe that, but the most beautiful thing is watching these conversations go from, hey, can we talk more about Jesus? Can we talk more about this gospel? I, I heard this word. I heard Pastor Mel speak this, and, and can you tell me more about that To What do I do to receive him? How do I ask him to come into my life and getting to pray with them? And then how do I get baptized? How do I get plugged in? You see, because there's a woman that I had a conversation with, um, again, that Easter that we opened, and she had this amazing moment with God. She said, I feel like I was dead for the last three years. Can anybody relate to that? Maybe you felt dead for a little while there during all the COVID pandemic and all that stuff. But listen, she said, I felt dead, but I came into this place and I feel like God brought me back to life spiritually. She's gotten connected. Listen, she's gone through Alpha Course in a small group this semester. She's joined a dream team. She's serving in Summit Kids and her and I are having conversations about getting baptized in just a couple short weeks. Listen, that is truly a life made different. And I wanna thank you, our Indiana family and our Blairsville family for being the inviting place and providing sacrifice taking care of the needs of both this campus and our Blairsville campus to see every life made different. Can you give yourselves a round of applause? Yeah, thank you guys. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So let's look at Paul's writing to the Romans. Um, throughout the book of Romans, Paul pulls no punches. He is uh, very pointed in his remarks to the church. Um, Paul's desire, uh, as he traveled from church to church throughout missionary, his missionary journeys, he would plant churches, and then he would try to come back. He would start the church, set up leadership, and then he would let them lead themselves, but he often sent letters back, or he would appoint someone that traveled with him, someone that he mentored, to help come alongside that church. And so the words in Romans are very much so for us. Um, we have, throughout this series, uh, been told that in 49 AD, the church in Rome was split up because Jews were expelled from the area for about a five-year period. And when they came back, this early church that was so pivotal 
to the spreading of the gospel had changed quite a bit when they returned. So Paul's writing was to bring clarification to what they believed in their practices and also to bring unity in their body. Paul makes it very clear, um, as he did in the last couple of chapters that we've looked at, that there is a different kind of living when we are submitted to God, that the church no longer holds to strict law and religious tradition, but now that they are in Christ, they are offering themselves up to, the, to following the teachings and the life of Jesus. As we look at chapter 12, we will see more of that unifying factor as Paul teaches the church. One of the themes throughout um, this series is righteousness, that God always does what is right, and he is always faithful. God defines what is morally right because he is God. There is no one greater than him. There is no one more able than him, and therefore he gets to decide. He is the standard for morality, and his faithfulness defines faithfulness, not like we measure it, but as he sees it, and Paul helps us understand that. Last uh, two weeks ago, excuse me, as we looked at Romans chapter 11, we had a couple of interesting topics that we covered. I want to revisit those just quickly. One of those topics being the topic of predestination or the Lord pre-appointing people. Now, there is some, there are some believers that believe that God predestines who will be saved and who will be determined for hell. For all eternity. We do not hold to that view. Um, here at Summit Church, we believe that God knows all things. He knows the beginning, the middle, and the end, but that He offers us enough grace to decide to receive the gift of Christ or to lay it aside. We have free will. Now, to follow this up, Pastor Mel asked the question two weeks ago can we lose our salvation? Um, he talked about losing our keys. Can anybody relate to losing their keys all the time? It, just about, yeah, okay, a few of us, myself included. I have one of those little beepers on my, on my keys. You know what I'm talking about? One of those little tile things. And when the battery runs low, it beeps too. So it even, you know, I don't have to even worry about that. Um, but no, we cannot lose our salvation like one would lose their keys. You see, we'd have to have a pretty messed up idea of who God is if we thought we could lose our salvation. See, if we viewed God, which we don't, as a God that was waiting to pull the carpet out from under our feet as soon as he could, or ready to blot our name out of the Lamb's book of life and pull our salvation back, man, then okay, maybe we could consider that we could lose our salvation, but we don't serve a God like that. You see, we do serve a God that is righteous and holy, that has shown his wrath, but his wrath has been appeased by Jesus' blood. Our salvation has been bought by his blood on the cross for us, and we are raised to new life because he was raised from the dead. That is the gospel. That is the good news that we know today and that we celebrate. So our salvation is bought, but we do have free will whether, or we, whether we choose to opt in or not. Now, again, also in chapter 11, we saw this illustration about a wild, wild olive tree, a wild olive plant tree, um, and also a domesticated olive tree, that a branch could be taken off of the wild plant and grafted into the one that was domesticated. 
And just in the same way as we are adopted into the family of God, we can be grafted in. And since the Lord is holy and we are grafted into him, if we are connected to him, if we choose to stay connected to him, the fruit that we produce is also holy and pleasing to him. So we'll travel back to that analogy in just a few moments here. But let's look at the first verse of Romans chapter 12. Again, keep in mind the theme that has been throughout Romans, that God judges sin but manifests mercy through Jesus, through his sacrifice. All right, 12.1, here we go. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The word mercies here in the, um, in the original text implies ongoing and is, uh, is a plural word. So we were to look at this next passage, at this entire chapter, in view, uh, in light of the fact that we continue to walk from mercy to mercy to mercy as we live our lives. Oftentimes we get so busy and we forget that we didn't pay for the breath that we just took or we didn't pay for the next one. Unless you're scuba diving and you filled a tank and paid for that, the breath that is in our lungs, that'd be really silly if you guys showed up with a scuba tank to church. Um, please don't do that next week. But every breath is a gift. Every bit of beauty is the mercy of God. The fact that the sun is in its perfect place, that I can stand outside this church, greet you, and be warmed by it, but not destroyed by it, is the mercy of God that we walk in every day. Not only those mercies, but the sun can't remove my sin guilt. It can't remove my, my sin debt or the beauty of fall here in Indiana, Pennsylvania, or in Blairsville. That can't remove my sin, but in view of the mercy of God to send his son to live a spotless life, to show us that God doesn't hate us, but that he loves us and wants the best for us, that he wants us to have an abundant life. That is the mercy of God from which we should see all of our life. In light of these things, we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice, you see, in the Old Testament, God required of his people a sacrifice, a bull, uh, a lamb without blemish. And if, if you didn't have that, even doves or different things that were set aside, consecrated to be taken up to the temple and killed on the altar as an offering to God. Now, because of Christ, who is the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, in view of that mercy and in view of his sacrifice, our only response, our true worship, is to offer our lives in the same way back to him as a living sacrifice. Galatians 2.20 says this, again, Paul writing to another church that he planted, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are to enter into this same sacrifice at the example of Christ. We can believe in Christ, but we will follow him. When we follow his words and when we follow his example, as we call ourselves Christians, we must offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. This is our only true worship. Some translations say our reasonable act of worship. 
You see, friend, worship is so much more than just singing three songs on a Sunday morning. It is so much more than going to a concert and and enjoying some time together and lifting up praise to God. That is good too. But see, your life, the actions that you take daily, Monday through Friday and Saturday and including Sunday, should be a beautiful aroma of fragrance, a sacrifice and an offering to the Lord. Your worship is no different from the way that you lead your family. In fact, you honor God and worship him by the principles that you teach your children and your grandchildren. The way that you lead your business or honor other people at work, that is worship to the Lord. Did you know that? Often, oftentimes we think, okay, well, only when I, when I pray, when I read his word, those things are fantastic. That is part of your dedication to the Lord. But when you offer your entire life every day to the Lord, that is an act of worship. Let's look um, at Philippians 1.27. Paul encourages us another church here as well, seeking unity and for people to dedicate their lives to the Lord. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. It is your worship and your sacrificial life laid on the altar, presented to God daily, regularly. I'm not talking about being a holy roller, okay? You don't have to wield your Bible at work and whack people with it or anything like that. That's just craziness. But when you lead your family well, according to the principles of the word of God, when you lead yourself well, according to Jesus' example, Other people see that too. And see, the worst example that we can be to our community, to this world, is to say we believe in something, identify ourselves as a follower of Jesus, but our lives not lining up with the gospel. It hurts it. These young people that are going to Thessaloniki, Greece, they have been preparing for months to make sure that they are prepared to have these conversations, but they've prepared testimonies of what God has done in their lives, what he's allowed them to overcome, what kind of freedom he's brought into their life, saving them, redeeming them, and making them more like our creator so that they can share that with these other students and young people that they're going to meet this week and next week. I wonder if we've been conducting our lives as worship to the Lord, aligning it with the gospel that we preach. He continues on in verse two. These first two verses are paramount, so important. He says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, Paul is very clear. This is not about changing our actions. This is not about behavior modification. But as we walk with the Lord, as we allow him to change our lives, we are gonna become more like him, but our hearts will be changed. The work will start from the inside and work its way out. He makes it very clear not to conform to the patterns of this world. Why would Paul say that? Because in the center of Rome, where this church was beginning, he knew how important it was for this body to not give in to the culture of the day. It is so important for us as well. We can apply this the same way to us. In a world that is full of wars and rumors of war, political uh, unrest and a lot of arguing, injustice, listen, we need to not take on the offense of this world and be conformed to the angry mob around us. But if we allow the Lord to transform our mind, he is the one 
that truly brings justice and peace. His word says so. If we will take him at his word, not conforming to everyone else's patterns, but allow him to change our mind, then he'll lead us in the right path. Um, Alicia and I spent about 10 years in youth ministry before we moved up here to join the family here at Summit Church. And the common question we got from teenagers every year, all the time, we were hosting conversations weekly about this. What is God's will for my life? Paul makes it very clear that by doing these things, by offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, but, and not conforming to this world, but allowing the Lord to transform our minds, that we can discern God's perfect will. If we would allow him to transform our hearts, our minds. Charles Stanley says this, renewing the mind is a little like refinishing furniture. It is a two-stage process. It involves taking off the old and replacing it with the new. The old is the lies you have learned to tell and were taught by those around you. It is the attitudes and ideas that have become a part of your thinking, but do not reflect reality. The new is the truth. Listen, we have to do a lot of unlearning when we come to Christ. Because whether we believe it or not, whether we recognize it or not, we begin to learn almost the moment that we come out of the womb. There are good things that we learn. But as we develop our own way of thinking, as we try to survive, even as a child consuming media and adults too, but as we gain in relationship, as we learn from other people, we start thinking that we've got this world figured out. And by the time we're an adult, by the time we leave home, we think we know everything. Did anybody leave home at 18 and realize really quick that they didn't know how the world worked? I mean, my parents did a great job to, to raise us and, and to help us and help us understand money. But man, there are things you just, you just do not know about until you experience them. There's a lot of ways that we cope with difficulties and struggles. And oftentimes, we take the easy road, not the best road. And see, we come into relationship with Christ when we come to an understanding that we need him. And we have a ton of baggage. Now, he's okay with us bringing baggage into the relationship if we're willing to hand it over and let him deal with it. If we're willing to say, Lord, I think this is the best way, and this is the way I've been doing things, but I don't like the results. Can you help me? He will. He will renew us. He will give us truth instead of lies. I said this before, the common question we had with students was determining God's will. You see, God's will for your life is not a secret. But let me tell you about how to determine God's will. You see, our problem is not finding the will of God. If we are reading his word, he will speak through his word. He is always speaking. If we will spend time with him and pray, but not just speak in prayer, but listen, the greatest difficulty in actually determining God's will is carving out time and making the decision not only to listen, but being determined to change what we need to change to obey. That's the most difficult part of knowing God's will for your life. If we would read his word, if we would allow him to transform our mind as we spend time with him, we will know his perfect will. That is the promise in Romans 12, 2. Let's look at verse 3 here. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 
For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. You see, Paul points it out real quick. Your number one problem is going to be you. Your number one problem in determining God's will for your life, laying your life as a sacrifice, isn't going to be anyone else but you. It's going to be your pride. Kill it. Let it die. Humble yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself than you ought to, but have sober judgment. You see, the first point that I wanted to make out of Romans 12 is that we must live differently. Paul puts that right out there. Our life is to be a sacrifice. But secondly, we belong in the family. You see, our purpose is grafted into, our purpose is revealed in our position where we are in the family. We belong right here. And not only does the body belong to us to build us up, to encourage us, but we also belong to the body to encourage others, to build them up, to serve others. Listen, friend, you belong to this house and you're here this morning, so I'm not preaching to the choir here, trying to be hard on you, but thank you for being here. Thank you for for joining us this weekend. It means a lot that you would come and be a part of what God is doing in Indiana. But did you know that you may be coming on Sunday, but you are not operating in the body? if you are not contributing to what the rest of the body is doing. You see, our body, in our body, we have many organs that have multiples, right? You have two eyeballs, you have two ears, you have two thumbs. I guess that's not an organ, but we've got two of them, right? And we can do without a thumb, right? We still have another, it's good. It might make it hard for you gamers out there or whatever for you texters out there, you'd be half as slow, Um, but we could do without it but we wouldn't quite be the same. You see, if you had an unfortunate accident, um, if you were out working in the garage or doing something like that, and you severed a thumb, okay, it would be very gruesome. I'm not gonna go there. But you would grab that member and you would probably put it in a baggie. I don't know if you're supposed to put ice on it still. I don't know. A while back they said not to do that. And you would grab it and you would rush to the hospital to get it reattached, wouldn't you? You would do everything that you could, find the best surgeon, find the best people to consult and to make sure that that could be reattached and reattached right. Why? Because you need that. The rest of your body doesn't quite function the same way without it. Outside of the body, that thumb will not survive. Outside of the body, that thumb will not get the nutrients that it needs and it will die. Outside of the body, it is not any different for those who are in Christ Jesus I had a conversation this week with a gentleman uh, that I have learned to grow in friendship with. Um, He's a neighbor of mine, and he said, man, I've not really been in church for about 30 years. I went as a child, and he kind of ended that little section of the conversation by saying, well, shame on me. And I said, oh, no, I mean, no shame on my part. I didn't want him to think, like, I was like, man, you better be in church. But I said, how has your walk with the Lord grown at home? He's still a believer. He still reads his Bible. And he said, well, it hasn't grown much. In fact, that's probably what I'm most ashamed of. Friend, being connected in a small group here at Summit Church is not just so we can report back a number uh, to somebody. 
being involved in a small group, involved in a dream team, helping out on a serve project that we've got here at the church is for you just as much as it is for our community and the rest of the body. Because disconnected, if you don't get back in as quickly as possible, your relationship with the Lord will begin to fade. You are called to this body. Now you may say, well, I'm a little different. I'm a little more opinionated than most. And I don't believe the same way politically that everybody believes at Summit Church. Well, you might find that you are in good company because we are a diverse people as far as thought, as far as backgrounds, even how long we've been following Christ. We have some saints here that have been following Christ for 40 years. And then we have some people that would say, maybe I've been following the Lord for about four months or four weeks. That is okay. Be a part of it. If you have different opinions, you have a different attitude about things, bring your brand of different into the church. We need it. It helps us. It helps us see things that we wouldn't otherwise see, but be a part. Bring your brand of different into the body. Verse 6 says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The third point I wanna bring out of this uh, chapter is that this family lives differently. We all have different gifts. We all have different ways that we can contribute. And this is not an exhaustive list Maybe you're a lawyer, maybe you're a doctor, maybe you're a plumber, maybe you're an electrician, or maybe you're a laborer, but you have a place in this family. Maybe you're a student, maybe you're unemployed, maybe you're, you've been happily married for 60 years, maybe you're divorced, maybe you're single, maybe you've stayed single for a very long time. You belong here in the body of Christ. You belong here at Summit Church. You have something to contribute this body lives different from the rest of this world. We do not conform. We encourage each other to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You see, we don't look different from our culture to make a statement that we're better than our culture. No, we are just different because Christ is transforming us. Paul made it very clear to the Jewish believers of this church here in Rome that although they were bound to religious restrictions and law, now through Jesus, all things have been redeemed and renewed, and so their lives can be made different too. Maybe you come from a background that is very, uh, very uh, heavy-handed and is very uh, traditional. That's okay. You're welcome here. You have a place. Now, in this next portion of Scripture, Paul kind of hashes out what it looks like to have this new life, this life that is laid upon the altar as a living sacrifice to Christ. I wanna be very clear. Remember, we already talked about this is not about behavior modification. We are not learning a new habit. This is not a list for you to check off. I love lists. On my days off even, I have a list because it helps me rest when I get everything checked off. But this is not a list for you to check off. But personally, for your own walk with the Lord, I would encourage you as we look at this next section to consider, are these things being revealed in your life or can you grow closer to the Lord? Again, we are not earning salvation here. 
But this is our offering, our act of worship to the Lord when we act this way. Paul is talking first in this uh, first couple of verses to the church and how they're to interact with one another. He says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. A genuine love is not one that is measured and held back. Genuine love means that we love people that we may not like. Try that on for size. How often does our culture outside of the church tell other people to love people that you don't like? Never. When was the last time you loved somebody that you didn't like? We should be marked different. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Listen, if we are walking in genuine relationship and genuine love with our brothers and sisters, if you are involved in people that speak into your life, like in a small group, you should be able to come to a brother or sister and say, hey, I just want to let you know there were some things that you said last week, and I, I think I see some red flags. Can we have a conversation about this? Or, hey, uh, I know that you are a new believer in Christ. I've been doing this a little while. God has transformed my life and done some amazing things. Can I help you walk in freedom from this? You see, because when we walk with the Lord, there are things that will develop and that he'll bring to light in us that we do need to let go of and decide to live in freedom instead of bondage. Indeed, if we abhor what is evil, we are willing to have tough conversations with each other because we genuinely love each other. Verse 10, love one another in brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. The original language here um, that is translated brotherly affection actually talks about almost a maternal kind of love, almost as a parent would love a child unconditionally, even through disappointment, even through struggle, even through disobedience. Amen, parents? Yeah, even through disobedience. I still love you even though it hurts, even though you're driving me crazy. I still love you. Yes, you can come home. Yes, I'll do your laundry again. Yes, I'll come bring you your lunchbox at school again. Because I do, I love you. The same affection we should have for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, genuine love, even if we don't agree, but also without measure. Outdoing one another in showing honor. This is about respecting one another and holding each other above. I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant or a store somewhere out in public. And I don't know, my mama raised me well, so this is a measure of how your mama raised you. But do you ever race up there to open the door for somebody? If you're walking the same time? It's awkward when you get to a door together and you're like, oh, oh. Here, please, after you. You ever done that? Of course, they pull a double whammy on you because there's actually two doors. And so you're like, oh, yeah, I did a good thing. And then they're right there holding the next door for you. Wow, man, you won today, sucker. But I'm gonna get both of those doors next time, you know. This week I was at Walmart. I got kicked out of Walmart. I can't go back to the Blairsville Walmart again because I was up there just practicing the word of God and I was, come on in. Those automatic doors, you know what I'm talking about. Come on in. Welcome. Welcome to Walmart. The little sweet lady that works at the front there, she said, hey, that's my job. Get out of here. She said, have a nice day. Okay, all right, you got me there. Outdo each other in honoring one another. It says, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. 
You see, if we believe in this great thing that Jesus has done for us, not only should it change the way we interact with our family and our home and the people that we know, but our lives should be exciting because God is all about advancing his kingdom. You see, he's a powerful God. He does signs and wonders and miracles and changes lives, and we should get pretty excited about that. Listen, I know we all have rough days. That's why we have each other to encourage one another. That's why we read the word of God regularly, right? That's why we spend time with him before we start our day. Listen, I'm not a morning person, but if I don't start my day by submitting it to the Lord, I'm not gonna have a great morning because I'm just not a morning person. It's just it. But we should be fervent. We should have such spirit. We should have such joy. And we should have other people around us to encourage us to be that way, recognizing that we're going through a tough season but letting us know that we have something good happening in us regularly. That should mark our lives. Paul says to serve the Lord. We should be ready to serve the Lord. If Paul says it, right, maybe it's good for us. Why would he tell the church in Rome to serve on a dream team? It's not just because they needed more people serving back in Summit Kids their Rome campus, Um, and they didn't need someone else to hold the front doors because they may not have had a door. I don't know how that worked back then, but we need to be a part of the body. You see, when we continue our walk with the Lord and as we contribute to the work of his kingdom, he starts revealing our purpose in that when we take our place and serve the Lord. He says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. A few of us in the room know what it's like to be waiting for a tornado to come through town. You shelter in place. Of course, you've got the the radio on. You're listening for the weather because the TV went out. You get the kids together. You put them in the bathtub. You put some pillows over you because that's going to do something, right? Um, And you get the dog in there, and you wait patiently. There's nothing that you can do except for to pray and say, Lord, cover this home, have your way, and then you wait. If you can't relate to waiting for a tornado, because I understand we're blessed in western Pennsylvania not to have too many of those, um, listen, what tornado is going through your life or has gone through your life in the last couple of years? Waiting patiently is something that we have such a difficult time doing together. You are never alone. The Spirit of God is with you, but also, if you're a part of the body, make a phone call. Invite someone over or say, hey, I need to meet you for coffee. I'm going through such a difficult time. Because in that relationship, we should be able to rejoice in the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, knowing that he knows the beginning, the middle, and the end, and that he ultimately has victory over all things, no matter what we face. Being constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek how to, uh, how to show hospitality. It has always been God's plan to advance his kingdom through what he has offered to his church. But here at Summit Church, we believe in radical generosity. You see, what marked the early church was that there was not a need among them that they didn't provide one for another. Listen, I I know it's about to be the holidays and we all get very generous to help people in the community and to to give a donation to a foundation somewhere or something like that. Listen, those are all good and fine things, but have we contributed all year to the wellness of the rest of our body? It has always been God's intention for us to take care of one another. We are a family. When we see a need, if if we can meet it, we are to meet it. 
We are called to be hospitable. I had a conversation um, with someone last night that doesn't have holiday plans. They're not, um, this is their first year in country. And I just said, well, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And he said, I, I don't know. And I said, well, you don't have family or friends here? You don't have any plans? No, actually, I've never really had an American Thanksgiving. Well, somebody got an invite to my house. Listen, I, we don't have a, a ton. We have enough. We have enough to share. And if you look at what you have, I bet you have enough to share too. Be hospitable to one another. Meet the needs of the saints. 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Now, I hope this isn't happening in the church, but Paul changes gears here and, and the focus is more on how we interact with people outside of the body. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. This is familiar to me. It seems familiar because Jesus taught, right, if somebody hits you, right, to turn the other cheek. If, he, if they require, what is it, uh, your cloak, then give them your tunic, right? This is Jesus' countercultural teaching that says don't, don't come against those who persecute you. Don't physically harm them, but even in your heart, don't curse them. Don't hold unforgiveness against them. We've talked about this before because unforgiveness doesn't hurt the person that you're holding it against. It hurts you. It destroys you from the inside out. It's like drinking poison and hoping that it hurts the other person. 15, re rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Listen, we love to go to birthday parties. We love to celebrate anniversaries. We like to celebrate all that stuff. That's the easy part. But when your coworker who has less seniority than you gets that promotion and you don't, do you celebrate with them? You see, if we celebrate with those who celebrate, we keep ourselves from jealousy. We keep ourselves from pride. Listen, everybody wants to be friends with someone who knows how to celebrate well. But when we are weeping, don't we need somebody to weep with us? When we're going through grief, the last thing that we should do is be alone. Now, granted, there are some things you probably wanna work through, and, and maybe if you're like me, sometimes I process things alone, but to be connected with other people that say, hey, listen, if you need anything, I'm there. Can you imagine how transforming that would be in our community if people that are not in Christ would be confronted with people who have been changed by Christ and they say, hey, we know that you're going through grief. I know you don't go to Summit Church. I understand that you may not even believe in the same Jesus that I believe in, but he's done some great things in my life. Let me serve you. Let me walk with you through this terrible time. Weep with those who weep. It will transform our community. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. In this day and age, we are told from a very early age, get all that you can get, achieve all that you can achieve, work to be first. Grab whatever you can. But we're not called to do that as followers in Christ. Paul said pride would be the number one issue. He readdresses it here. We are not too good to help anyone. We are not higher than anyone else. Jesus taught his disciples who were always vying for the top spot. They wanted to sit next to him. They wanted to be his favorite. He said, the greatest of you will be the, the one that serves the rest. Jesus himself didn't come to be served. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the one that fulfilled prophecy, the one that was gonna give his life up for many, he didn't come to be served, but served himself. 
other people he put first. Jesus showed that as well when he cleaned his own disciples' feet. He washed them. He took the place of a, the lowest of house servants to do that. Live in harmony with all. Your service to others helps create harmony. Never be wise in your own sight. How many of us in the room have ever made a really good decision, but it turned out not being a very good decision? You know what I mean? I thought it was gonna be good, but boy, did I mess something up. Okay, well, just me. We need each other. We have blind spots. And although we think we know what's best, the word of God tells us that even our own hearts can lead us astray. We need brothers and sisters that come alongside us. We need to be humble enough to ask for help and ask for wisdom. Wisdom comes from the word and from from God, but it also comes from followers of Christ. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Does that look like our current culture today? Not at all. It's the complete opposite. Repay no evil for evil. You've seen the ads on television right? I had this conversation with my boys last night because they can't watch, even on, um, on YouTube, they can't even watch a, a kid's YouTube video without seeing ads that are just hating and piling on. And I said, boys, honestly, the honest truth is most of these ads, either side, they're not true at all. They're just piling on each other. You know, it's not enough to do what is honorable in the sight of all and just say, here's my track record. Here's my policy. I'm gonna be right straightforward. I've messed up a couple times, but I fixed it. No, you have to pile on someone else. That's not the way to live. That's not how we live as followers of Christ. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. All people. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Wow, yeah, he could probably do a little more than I can to fix what's wrong with whoever just hurt me, so I'm just gonna leave it to him. That way it keeps me out of trouble and he can deal with that person. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Hmm, there's a lot to talk about right now. There's war across the world, and we send relief. Are we feeding our enemy? Are we giving him something to drink? On a more per- personal sense, that coworker that just gets under your skin all the time? Are you humble enough to offer them what they need? Because if they're not a believer, consider this. Are your actions today going to embarrass you later if they come to be your brother or sister in Christ? Because let's be honest, if people are not submitted to God, then why should we expect them to live like God requires? They're not submitted to it. But our real hope should be that someday they do become our brothers and sisters in Christ. Their lives are transformed like ours have been transformed. Listen, there should be no human being on this planet that has ever lived or will ever live that we call our enemy. Because human beings are not our enemies. Human beings are not what brings injustice on this earth. It is the evil one. It is the evil one, the deceiver. He's the one we should come against. 
So instead of throwing stones at a human being who is broken and is hurting, see, we just see the symptom of what's really happening inside of them. We should be praying and asking the Lord to bring healing to their life, to meeting their needs and revealing his great love and mercy towards them. But if we're not feeding them or not hungry, or we're not taking care of their thirst, then when they do come to the Lord, by the grace of God and the mercy of God, there's gonna be some apologies that need to take place. There was a, and uh, Todd, you can come back. In Cleburne, where we came from, where we moved up from, uh, we had some phenomenal upperclassmen in our youth group. Um, they really loved Jesus. Um, they're, sometimes they're just silly teenagers, let's be real. But their zeal for the Lord was so strong, loved them very much, walked through a lot of life with them. And uh, in 2020, you might have heard there were a few rallies that took place all over our country, typically throughout the summer of 2020, and some of them grew very violent and very angry. But I overheard, I was not invited, but I overheard that about six of our students were going to be going to one of these rallies that was going to be held in town. And I had heard people on both sides of the issue, um, both extremes being very ugly about what might take place. I prayed about it and I talked to my wife and I said, hey, should we ask them not to go? Should we tell them not to go? And we decided that that would be unproductive. You tell a teenager not to do something, just like the three-year-old that you say, it's hot, don't touch it. They're gonna look right at you, touch it. All the parents, you know what I'm talking about. So I prayed about it. It grieved me. Lord, such extremes, and I want them to be safe. And, and I, I love people that are going to stand on different sides of the street, different sides of the dividing line here, and I don't know what to do. And I felt like the Lord led me to this passage and led me to decide to go um, incognito. I didn't wear my church uniform and name badge or anything. But I decided to go out and stand on the side with my students. I wanted to show them that I cared for their heart of justice and their zeal to see injustice um, completely eradicated, things made right. But the things that they put on their sign, you, things that you would expect from an angry teenager. The sad thing is that there were angry adults out there holding pretty nasty signs too. And although things didn't get violent, things got pretty uncomfortable. I went out because I wanted to be an example of the love of Christ and love people that were different from me. So I stood on a side that was different from what I believed. But my sign said this. Verse 21, do not become, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, all the signs on my side and the other side, whatever, they were contradicting. They're saying all these different things. I want this, I want this, I want this. Fix this, fix that all of their own thinking. But we don't overcome evil with evil because we get overcome by it. But we should pursue what is good. We should offer ourselves to that which is good. Is your life being lived as a sacrifice to the Lord? If you're not challenged by his word regularly, you might wanna look at this list and pray about it and say, Lord, I need to be transformed. So I want to give us an opportunity to respond today. 
At this time, I'm going to kick it over to our host there in Blairsville. I love you guys very much. I'm so glad I get to be your campus pastor. I'll see you real soon. In light of what Paul is challenging us here to do, this is not an easy thing. But oftentimes, taking the easy path doesn't result in the fruit that God wants for our life. I wanna ask you today, have you submitted yourself, your life to Christ in this manner as a living sacrifice? Paul warns us in this list of things to be zealous, not be slothful. Does your life show God how appreciative that you are for his son? I wonder what kind of example we're being to our community if we're not being active in sharing what God has done because it's something worth sharing. Someone shared it with you. If we're not showing hospitality in the house, I wonder why anybody would want to be in the house. Again, church, a transformed heart, a changed life can't be argued with. A testimony of the freedom that has been brought to our lives through Jesus, nobody can take that from us. No one can argue that. Would you bow your heads with me as we close out our time together? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you that you inspired these words to the church in Rome through Paul for us today. Lord, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would encourage all of our hearts to dedicate ourselves as a living sacrifice given back to you in view of your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you came, lived a spotless life, and died for us. Lord, let our actions line up with this great gospel. Let us not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind in light of what you have done. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're in the room today and you would say, I have not submitted myself to Christ. I have not walked in a relationship with him. I never have, but listen, friend, today is your day. And I wanna give you an opportunity to submit your life to Christ, to receive this gift that he has given us. You see, Christ came, he died, so that you wouldn't have to pay the price of your sin, so that you could be made right with your creator and that you can live an abundant life here on this earth and in eternity. And so I wanna pray a prayer with you if that's your desire today. But I would love the opportunity to know who I'm praying for. So at this time, if that is you, if you would say, I wanna start a relationship with Jesus, I wanna submit my life to him today. Would you just take a moment now, let me know who I'm praying for by just raising your hand. Anybody in the room would say, I wanna submit my life to Christ. Anybody in the room today, I wanna start a relationship with Jesus. Thank you for your honesty. Well, then let me ask this. Today, if you would say, I think I need to do a better job lining my life up with the gospel, not to earn my salvation, but my life, my desire for my life is for it to be an act of worship to God every day. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you hands all over the room. 
I want my life to be an act of worship to the Lord, thanking him for what he's done. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to lay ourselves at your feet. Lord, we submit ourselves to you today to be used by you however you see fit. Lord, we ask that our lives would line up to these words in in the 12th chapter of Romans. Lord, not just so we can check off a list, but Lord, so that we can be your witness, that we can be your hand extended both in this house and in our community and beyond. Holy Spirit, give us the strength and discernment and the wisdom to do these things. Lord, we offer ourselves up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, church family, as we close our time together? Um, I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come forward. Listen, today, if you want to receive Christ, you made a decision today to receive Christ, whether you raised your hand or not, we would love to connect with you and we would love to help you do that. Um, One of the best ways we do that is through our texting service. You can text the word Summit PA to 94,000. Listen, if you also have any prayer need, you can use this same uh, texting number. You can text Summit PA to 94,000. We would love to pray with you, whatever you are going through today. Uh, Again, we wanna give you the opportunity right here as we share this last song to pray with someone up front if you've made a decision today or have a need, but also you can do that online. So thank you for joining us today. As we respond with this last song together, take a moment, don't be too quick to sing the words but just offer yourself, offer your life as worship to the Lord today. It's so good to be with you today. God bless you.